You're listening to the Detroit is Different After Dark Podcast Network. All right, we are back in full effect. The Detroit is Different Podcast Studios. This is another F what you heard, fuck what you heard podcast. And we're talking about a lot of what you need to know to do business with major record labels. Uh, so we're looking at it from the artist standpoint and also the producer standpoint. And uh, fresh off of speaking about the producers, we got Uncle P from March Madness to Beat Battle. How you feeling right now, Uncle P? Oh man, it was a long night, but uh, I feel great. <laughs> okay, who was the winner? Winner was Chris Wells. Um, Chris Wells has three March Madness championships under his belt. Mm. So he took his second belt home. We've only been doing the belt for three years. Mm. Um, that finals ended up with him and Wifey. Mm. So he won it and he gave that belt to his girl ain't that something ain't that's that some something. love in hip hop but to clarify right wifey is also a producer yeah yeah exactly she's a producer what's and her production name madness. her producer name madness okay. madness she's hot Okay. They got they got a talented household over there. Okay, and talented household as you just heard, Sabrina's back in full effect. Sabrina, how you feeling? I'm good. Drinking okay. his Mountain Dew. Okay, all right. Yes, the uh, <laughs> breakfast of champions. Right. No, that was that Red Bull I just had. Yeah, neither one of those. <laughs> <laughs> coming off of March Madness, I'm surprised you're up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we here. What are we talking about today, bro? All right. So we gonna open up just talking right back to producers. If you're a producer. And you're trying to play some music and do some business with a major, major label. Uh, how does that work? Mm. I know Sabrina got some ideas into this, a little bit of know-how into that. But uh, you know, because I'm guessing that a lot of the producers are always asking, like, what, 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 what? You know. Well, I mean, from my perspective, the major labels are pretty much behind the curve. Mm. They're not leading the curve. Mm -hmm. So you go and you make a name for yourself. That's when the big dogs come and they want their piece. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you really just, it, it, it's no magic wand anyway. You know, you it, it, I can't tell you a formula. You know, it's by any means necessary. Get your brand, get your name on the lips of people that that make change that call shots you know i, I just don't what right. you think uh no i agree with you a lot of the the um the up-and-coming producers that i deal with or have relationships with they were discovered um via the net via twitter via instagram stuff like that beat stars a lot of them um are part of those types of forums. And so what I've found in talking with some A&R, um, especially since they don't want to necessarily deal with a bigger named producer who may have a bigger price tag, they are combing through these sites and mm -hmm. um, SoundCloud and stuff like that just to see who has a sound, who has, you know, who pretty much, you know, is hidden. And then they'll reach out to them directly through there. Um, and, you know, have them submit directly or whatever. The other thing that I've found that has always worked well is when the producer makes the direct connection to the artist or the artist management. Right. Um, and then they get on the radar that way. 
when that artist turns in their album or may let or A&R may come in and say what you got right now and they're like yeah I found this young kid out of Detroit man we've been cutting da 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 next thing you know they want to talk to that person. Right. So it's organic it's with the artist organic. first. Yep. And then the business people come in on the other end. Yeah, that's one way. You yeah. know. And a lot of it outside of that are just having relationships. That that's what it all is. Like it, it's funny, we got uh producers from my beat battles that um just produced a track for uh, Method Man. You know, and it was a group of different producers, but they all met each other at my beat battles. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not a lot of ways for producers to be able to get their name out there like it is for a rapper. Like producers can't go and get on stage every night and, and perform. So it's good for producers to find every little outlet you can to start helping and building that name for yourself man that's 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 everything you know so approaching that artist uh the major artist what what's the uh, we've talked about approaches in a lot of ways so is it just trying to go to the concert meeting them backstage what's everything by any means necessary yeah it's everything um a lot of times when the artists come i've seen uh, young producers find out when soundcheck was and they were there when the bus pulled up and they were loading it and for the right people they're open to stop to talk to you and you just need to have that usb ready to go and ready to hand it to them you know with your contact is it a risk that a lot of artists like is it a risk that they may take my music if I'm yes. a producer yes it yeah. definitely is it's, it's always a huge risk um, yeah. and that's why knowing the business and protecting yourself and your music before you put it out there um, you know it doesn't mean someone still isn't going to try and steal it but it gives you a recourse right. in case that happens. Like, if you never filed the paperwork in the beginning, you can't even get a court date on some copyright infringement because you have no proof of it to begin with. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why it's so important to protect the music because the courts ain't even going to see you if you don't have that piece of paper to bring your case to the table. Right. And for producers, I would definitely never, I don't suggest that you provide your full tracks. Um, you provide like some snippets of your tracks to give them a taste of, of where that, you know, those changes are going to be that kind of thing, your hooks, that kind of stuff. But um, tag your, your tracks too. You know, make sure you have tags on those things. Um, but that's that's one way. Um, one of the producers that I've worked with, Young Rock, Rock was always the one who put me up on a lot of of people coming out. Like he's he and this young cat in Atlanta are the ones who put me up on like Nipsey Hussle, rest in peace, which is still very shocking that that happened yesterday. Um, and just a lot of people that were in studio, what have you. And Rock has never, ever been nervous about hitting up an artist directly on Twitter. Next thing you know, he's DM and next thing you know, he's got a track on Trinidad James and all this kind of stuff. And it all started from him hitting them up directly and them saying, Hey, send me something. Here's my email or whatever. And then him doing it. And next thing you know, he's got tracks on all these 
dope people. So there are so many different ways to do it, but it also helps to have someone on your team who um, is paying attention, who has relationships, who can make some phone calls and stuff too. All right. So what it sounds like in Rock's approach is he's willing to possibly run the risk of somebody taking his music or whatever if, you know, and, and go through that legal fight possibly. But the upside is it's still some people that do up and up business too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But the one thing with Rock, when he would do things, he, he knows how to keep up with people. And he also knew how to hit me up and, 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 and you know, specifically to say, look, this is the track number I gave. This is their info. Here's their management's info. Can you reach out now? Let management know this, that, and the other. You know what I mean? He didn't just particularly always just leave it up to chance. Mm. Um but, you know, he's very thorough and he keeps track of what he sends out and when. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like he was just willy nilly throwing out tracks mm-hmm. and he kind of tracked his tracks. Right. So. Um, but, yeah, I, I just want to say this, um, you know, because I've seen producers end up getting that relationship with the label. Beats end up getting tied up on the shelf. Like I know a yep. couple people that got their whole catalog tied up. <clears throat> with a label waiting it for it to work waiting for them to do something if you ask me do what it is that you want you want to be successful get out here and do it until help comes right you know um you 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 gotta do the work as a producer find you an artist that you can build with yep. because when you have that product already it's undeniable you get to decide the conversation you know you've built a name for yourself you decide what that price tag is going to be they you're dictating more so to them than the labels dictating to you and on the flip side to touch on that we're talking about producers not just beat makers Mm -hmm. and so there is a difference and the one thing i love about what P was saying as far as connecting with an artist or artists or collectives that's on the come up or that might even be on the come up but entrust you to add you to the mix you all now are able to shape and define a sound that's unique to you all and not be and not have it be dictated to you this is what we're looking for all right. the time and it kind of elevates you and, and and allows more creative discussion around the boardroom table when that time comes in my opinion that also sets you up a whole lot better for longevity exactly when you have your own sound it can last a whole lot longer than you trying to bite off the sound of today because once that today sound is out right you're out right with it alright and as you talk about that um that doing business, what what type of money am I looking at if I'm an up-and-coming producer, uh, if I do sell something to a major label? Should I even consider maybe offering more of my catalog or, or to that major artist? What what would dictate that? Well, it, it kind of also depends on budgets that mm-hmm. they're working with. Um, a lot of times, especially when you're dealing with majors, if you don't have a track record, um, they're not going to unload on you you gotta mm-hmm. pay your dues you so know? so should i be looking at am i looking at a thousand five thousand ten thousand twenty thousand no nah, when you talk about anything over 
five <laughs> um sadly just and and again this isn't the this isn't the rule this is mm-hmm. just in my experiences right mm-hmm. um and it all depends like somebody could be just blowing up in the southeast or in in the southwest or in la or in the midwest in chicago and the label's like nah we want you we've got a different vision for you than just this artist we you don't know but we've got these other signings that we're coming that we think you're gonna shape so therefore they're gonna court you and give you more right okay but for just i think the general onesie twosie um on average i've seen um, as low as five grand mm-hmm. from a major, mm-hmm. um, from like an indie major, like for instance when Jeezy was out doing a lot and other rappers and stuff like that, they were dropping fifteen two thousand twenty five hundred dollars per track for mm-hmm. a lot of these up and comers, but they also had a good talk to say work with me on this, let me see, I'll do more. You know, let's let's build this up. But this really all you getting. All right. Now, with that, am I going to look at publishing? Should I be ambitious when it comes to that? Should yeah. I? Definitely. That's yours. Yeah, it's yours. Those rules don't change. They're not mm. supposed to. Well, yeah. Majors <laughs> might tell you something different. Right. The but, artists um, will probably tell you something yeah, different because right, they yeah, know true, you're hungry. True, true, You're true. hanging out by this tour bus, you know, with your chucks on and your backpack. So they kind of look and be like, yeah, I know I'm going to ask for more. Okay. You're about to give up more to be a part of this. Especially so, if they know you don't know any better. Exactly. So I could end up maybe just selling the track for $2,000, but if it ends up being like a hit song, uh, on YouTube or gets picked up on like some type of commercial campaign. You want to negotiate. You want to still get your royalties and your publishing. Yeah. Bottom line. You paperwork. Yes. Because that's the only way. I mean, money will be tied up with a lack of paperwork. Mm. Mm. That's money true. <laughs> will be sitting there because uh-huh. paperwork hasn't been done. And what you're saying is just so that people know, uh, when you have the publishing, you need to fill everything out right. You Split need to make sheets. sure that yeah. Uh, yeah, everything has been submitted. Uh, your ASCAP is submitted. Yep. You've submitted things yourself. Uh, you've worked out like the the different forms of licensing. So like uh, this is kind of like publishing one on one. You publish a piece. It is almost uh, a, a, a way of saying like, okay, I have created something and the licensing is the different ways that it can be used. That it can be so used. So licensing could be for television. Licensing could be for a video game. Licensing could be for a movie. Sporting licensing events. could be for a sporting yeah. event. And like, especially when you get into like licensing for movies, um, it's the licensing in the theaters. It's licensing when it gets picked up and it's played on television, when it's played on HBO, when it's played on Netflix. Like, really, when you get into a lot of the splits of how this moves forward and you can get paid off of publishing, that's where your money is, right? Yeah. Endlessly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's where it is. That's that money while you sleep. Right. Yes. Exactly. So, as a producer, be mindful of sometimes realizing that okay, the pot is maybe bigger than this five thousand, or you know, right. trying to hit that home run and say, well, this is Beyonce, so she should pay me two hundred thousand dollars for a beat. Right. right. Yeah. And one thing that I would suggest is if you can get negotiate to get your front end on that beat, get your front end payment, which is generally a half payment, half per, you know, half half the amount that they're paying, and then. You know, right before that album drops, make sure you get your back end money. 
Okay. Now, how often? And it seems like we're going. I'm going deeper into the from the producer perspective, but I'm I'm putting myself in the well, shoes of that just producer. Stay here, then. Yeah, we let's know, stay. Yeah, yeah. All right. If I'm a producer and I sold a beat, as you said, sometimes things can get sh- shelved and everything. Um, and it's really good. Like I really want to use it, and it seems like nobody's using it anymore. What risk am I running selling that beat to somebody else? Because that happens often too. Um. Say that again. I'm not sure if I quite understood you. <laughs> Basically, like uh, the alchemist, then we gonna make it. Like I, I sold you to be. You're not doing anything. It's been two years uh, later. Okay. And now it's like, man, that may be my best beat ever. Hey. And I, I want to sell it to somebody else. What risk am I running? Sue. Yeah. If there's well, paperwork. Yeah. There's. You need to have paperwork again. And number two, that's where that front end two comes in. Because at the end of the day, you don't return that. That's like your EM, your earnest money deposit. That's your good faith deposit too on your mm. beat. Um, but if they're not using it, in in my experiences, we generally made sure it was in writing that we were, you know, submitting this beat out. If they have recorded on the beat, they are it is explicit, explicitly known that they are not to release the beat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's where your legal comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are some people I won't name 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 names who were very very clear and understood that this beat was coming back off the table and this is the same for even when you submit beats and they've got a pool of beats that they're just listening to mm-hmm. and so in the meantime you've gotten your beats out to other people and someone asked for this beat first but they yeah. still have it we have had people that recorded it still and just threw it out on a mixtape Mm. You know, and then and wait, you you just hit <laughs> on a very special term right there, the whole concept of mixtape and like yeah. a lot of two track recording, but a exactly. lot of mixtapes were recorded with beats that never were paid for or licensed with exactly. sample. Exactly, and so that's where the fight comes in, and we've taken some L's because of that, and like I said, there are certain major label artists that are known in the industry for doing just that and. A lot of producers and managers of producers are very hesitant to submit tracks because of that. But to to go back, it's it's definitely a conversation. It's definitely put in writing, and it should definitely be explicitly known and understood between both parties that this beat is no longer yours. I don't really believe in leaving things open like that. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. You know, give some type of window. You know, um, let them know, like, these tracks will be available for the next six months. Mm. You know, something like that. Don't leave it open for them to just hold that stuff for years, Mm. you know. Um, And I like to do that. I like to put call to actions. Mm -hmm. Um, Put people's feet on the fire. You know, are we going to do this or not? You know, because my stuff's not just going to be sitting there all day waiting for you to make a decision. Because I know you got 50 other people's beats sitting on the shelf, too. Mm -hmm. You know, so it it, it makes for a bad situation It's all relative because I also know of a few producers who were in that situation. And the artists and their team knew, you know, okay, we're going through some... Our A&R is no longer at... Arista, and now they're at Warner. So now all of us that were signed on this and are kind of in a holding pattern. Our records are now on hold. I don't know when it's coming out and may not come out now till spring 
2020, but our record is done. We want to hold this record. I tell you what, we're just going to pay you everything right now. Mm-hmm. So now you're still waiting to see if it ever comes out so that you can then begin to earn your royalties and stuff from it. Mm -hmm. But some people have believed and understood so much in a system or in an artist where they took more than just their front end. They just got the whole shebang Mm. and was like, "Okay, I'm willing to walk away from it. It's yours. Okay, But we know these terms still stand once and if it does come out. All right. Now, you you just presented something else where I have another question that I just from knowing producers myself it can be very particular um, especially dealing with a major because you don't know in a major label artist you may be less inclined to know this but they can change around things on the mix and maybe change around the music and as you say like the difference between beat making and production really I think production is like you're really entrenched in the whole process of how the song comes together well now, production is the beat making is, is is production but a producer mm-hmm. produces the actual song song the artist the whole shebang it's not like they're just sitting there making sounds and say you know whatever so if I am from that perspective from that perspective if they're gonna change up a lot of stuff and maybe I don't even like the music anymore like are there any contingencies that I can put in or oh, yeah. I mean is is that very commonplace for an up and coming producer to say hey let me at least be able to listen to what comes. It's a requirement for us. When mm. I work for Denon, Denon does not allow um, anybody to mix his records, period, without him being present Wh- or overseeing that process. Nobody mm. can add to or take away from his tracks. Mm. Um, without his approval and he's the one that does it. Mm. Now, when it comes to um, up and comers, so to speak, it should be the same respect. That's it's your music, music, and it has to be explicitly stated. And you develop that, and you set that precedent from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, even though you may not have songs on the charts, mm-hmm. you know the business. This is your brand. This is your sound, and nobody else's. And you need to be involved every step of the way when it comes to your music. All right, now, P, you're dealing with a lot of up-and-coming producers, a lot of cats fresh in the game just from March Madness alone. How uh, how often do you see those producers stepping up and say, making those clauses stick? And how real can that happen? Making, making make, that clause stick where, like, you won't change. You know, I just sold this beat to, to well, uh, I don't know. She's exactly right. Um... But in hip hop, Mm -hmm. we often deal with people that aren't rational, you know, (laughs) thinkers and handle business. (laughs) And unfortunately, you asking for what's fair and what's for rightfully yours will cause people to be like, oh, man, I go to somebody else because they can go find somebody else that's not as particular as you are. Mm. And that's why I say find your own artists, build them up, because when you get into leverage type situations, if you don't 
have any, then you yeah, know Drake, it's hard Drake to make may not demands. Necessarily send back the mix of a song for me to okay it. Right. It, it, exactly. So it is is levels to this, just like it is with everything else. And legally, if you if you have the money, um, and you know you know that this record is about to come out, and you have not given your final sign off on it, you can issue a cease and desist. Okay. That's good to know. Um, But again, people that are really hungry and and really don't even know that they even have that authority that, you know, they'll just hear and be like, oh, man, those not even my drums. When they add violins, you know what I mean? Right. (laughs) When was this mixed? Oh, it's coming out, you know. And those are people that are just not on top of their business or they're just so hungry they're willing to just be quiet. Yeah. Just for the opportunity, but then it's not true representation of you and your sound. And let alone if that drum was at it, and now right. somebody else is co-producing Getting, with exactly. you. Exactly. Right. Because right. I'm sure that happens often. all the time. Mm-hmm. Mostly, again, to to newbies, you know, the established ones. They people already come with a respect, mm-hmm. right? Um, but for a lot of newer people and newer producers and stuff like that, they uh, they'll take advantage of me. OK. And uh, I guess to close this out is we just got a couple more minutes left on this one. Um, I may get swooped up to be a part of a production team. What should I look at uh, if, if something is established like uh, because this has happened often, too? Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm a part, if I get selected to be a part of Pharrell's new production team or whatever. Um, and that's working with the major directly um, and I'm definitely probably going to be co-producing and everything like that mm-hmm. uh, What what's fairness in this type of business arrangement what should I be looking for is this an opportunity do I hop on like you know how do I make this work out for me well some people will want you to be exclusive to their crews some people um, may not ask for exclusivity Mm-hmm. Um, some will ask for first right of refusal on any production that you have mm-hmm. and still say, well, you're on my team, but I'll still let you work with man, man and miss so-and-so in your backyard. That's yeah. all you, but I need to get first right of refusal on track. So send them to me. Anything that I'm passing over, you're free to do. You know what I mean? And they're kind of entrusting that you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to get clarity on what these splits are going to be. Because for yeah. a lot of people that are just getting started, especially with a, somebody like a Pharrell, most of the time, Pharrell may say, a lot of people will say, look, it's always, my name's going to be on everything. Diddy is good for this. My name's going to be on everything. I'm the producer. You're a co-producer. You know what I mean? Even though it's your track. Mm, Leverage. Yeah. Uh, Or anything you do, I'm going to touch it to Mm. legitimately put myself on as a Mm co-producer. You know, um, some people will say, you're a producer. I'm going to always be a co-producer on everything you do until we get you to this point. Mm. Because you're going to need my name for us to make this successful yeah at the end of the day like she said understand what the splits are understand Mm -hmm. as a crew because if you're coming into a crew that crew should already have a system for how it operates you know understand that okay crew wise 
you know, we got the pot. Everybody that had a hand in it splits equally. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, do we have a situation where, all right, I feel like the beat is worth 50% of the this part of the writer's share? Or, you know, a guitar player that came in and wasn't guided as far as what to play but he just came in and put a spirit on it you know that's 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 worth something so understand how things are going um everything's negotiable all right now as you talk about everything's negotiable and we like in the last two minutes of the clock so i know it's gonna be a little overtime with this but one of the common things that happens when you join the beat production crew is you're gonna walk into a state-of-the-art studio you're gonna walk into state-of-the-art equipment, monitors, speakers, and everything like that. And you're gonna keep producing, 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 and you're tallying up a bill where you keep owing it, owing it, owing it, owing. And then you finally sell something and you're like, damn, that's sold for 30,000, but I'm only seeing five because I owe on this bill. Well, Is that again, something it, that can it, be it, negotiated as well? It's all relative to the team. Yeah. Um, when we had our crews, we didn't tally uh, we wanted them to be able to they all had keys mm-hmm. you go you all work amongst yourselves or we had someone in place to schedule we wanted you to have a place to comfortably work um and none of that was charged against the producer okay you know what i mean it shouldn't be mm-hmm. um but again everybody's system is different yeah but a lot of times what happens remember who paid provided for the recording and all that stuff mm-hmm. often is the owner of the masters right so understand under those situations you are a member of that team but you don't necessarily control that master then um in my opinion that should be a contribution to the payment like you shouldn't be getting nickel and dime no off that kind of stuff that's that's somebody that's just trying to get paid off right i would walk away yeah okay if someone offered me that but you should have you should be able to comfortably record produce you know the whole nine you should be able to have um great engineers to work with at your disposal (laughs) you know that kind of thing last question as we on the last minute as we know historically it's been some people out here uh definitely i say baby and cash money are historic for not paying producers Mm. sometimes not paying rappers themselves too but um when it comes to chasing down that money that's owed to you how do you even go about that as a producer when you know you placed with the major because some majors as you say they're not doing above ground business either Right. That paperwork. Mm-hmm. That's the start of everything. When when you got that paperwork, that's when you can go to an attorney and attorney will look at your case and see what's going on and and proceed. See, here's the tough thing about it. When you're dealing with a major, they got money to keep this court thing going for years right. and drain your pockets where you can't fight it anymore. You know, and mm-hmm. and that becomes a, a difficult situation, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say any any communications you have, make sure you have it in writing, email, text messages. You know where 
<laughs> it is said it is explicitly said you're the reference to the track who's on it when you got it you know like you want to keep everything yeah logged definitely take that business to email don't be handling the business in the dm it's too hard to keep organized if you get it you know get your little folders put your business emails in that way you can reference what you need to and as a upcoming topic we're going to have at what point do you need a lawyer this yes. is when you need a lawyer perfect thank you so much thank you so much how do people get in contact with you uncle p here you can holler at me uncle p 313 on facebook at instagram and twitter at detroit rap i'm still putting my stuff out there <laughs> i'm belizean girl b-e-l-i-z-e-a-n-g-y-r-l on instagram and also earth tones e-n-t on instagram Detroit is different.net. Detroit is different.net. Detroit is different.net. Peace. You're listening to the Detroit is Different After Dark Podcast Network.